0: Our guest today is a wonderful individual. He is no stranger stranger here to Victory Church. He's been here before. He pastored local churches as God called him there in the great state of Ohio and in Pennsylvania as well. And then God called him out of that a successful pastorate into missions, and his world uh, his world and the world of his family uh, changed. He served an area there in Asia, then became, of course, the uh, area director in laos and areas like uh cambodia thailand vietnam etc and served there faithfully for say 14 years or so and then god God called him in uh, 2012 to be the director of life publishers international and bible alliance now those of us here's the common term Uh, they produce the fire bible and we know about the fire bible because of light for the lost and we've had our Bible uh, individuals here to talk about it, and it's a great, great ministry. He has uh, faithfully served in that regard uh, from a boy on up till now. God has blessed he and his wife in a great, great way, and uh, he's he's going to wait because a short, brief video. How many of you have seen at least one video this morning? Amen. At least one. Well, you know that old saying: if one word speaks, a word speaks a thousand words, etc. One picture speaks a thousand words. You've seen several million this morning. So we've got one more, and we're just here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna keep feeding and feeding and feeding until God stirs us all. So when he comes, when he comes after the video, I want you to put together a great Victory Church welcome after the video to our guest speaker, the Reverend and inimitable Jeff Dove. So wait till the video's over and then explode on him, okay? Good morning, Victory Church. Don't stop yet.
1: Come on. <laughs> all that's right, stop. stop, Just. That's the first time in all my years I've ever been called inimitable. <laughs> Pastor, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> it means stop looking at me and start preaching. Love Brother Blackburn. Love his heart for missions, for missionaries, and for the lost around the world. Of course, we love Pastor Dan McBride, who's always taken my call and always gives me money. <laughs> Not always. You change your cell phone after the service because they all got it now. But this church has such a big heart, a big heart. You're making a great, great impact around the world through your missionaries. I, I can't help but look in the, in the missionary prayer book. I still have mine from last year sitting on my desk in in the ungodly forsaken wilds of Springfield, Missouri. And I I open it up and I pray. And you know, for, for those of us who've been in this enterprise for a while, we see people that we know. And even though you can become callous as a missionary, how many of you guys are aware of that? It's like anything else. You're getting up, you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're making a difference for God. I open that book up And I make no money, no royalties from saying this. But I open that book up and I'm starting to look through and I see someone that I know and I remember. And I pause and I say, God touch Don and Terry down in El Salvador. God touch the Barkers up in Italy and beyond what they're doing. Touch Jason and his wife in Israel. And I begin to pray for them. And something new starts happening again in my life. And I'm just like, man, I wish I was there. I wish I could see what God is fixing to do today in their context, in their situation. So let me encourage you. Take that prayer book that they labor long and hard over and daily. You finish your devotions in the Word of God. Turn to your prayer journal and flip the page and pray. Your prayers make a difference for we who are actually outside the United States, outside of our own cultural context, in the milieu of what's becoming the kingdom of God, pray for us, pray, and this will help you to do it. It's my job here this morning to try to begin the focus this week. It's not really even beginning the focus because you have it all year long, but this is our annual emphasis on world missions, and and both world means home and abroad, and and both AG and non-AG. How many of you know there's going to be non-AG people in heaven? Anyone know that? How many of you are just converted Baptists and you like the music? Come on, raise your hand. (laughs) I actually saw like 25 there. That was great. The kingdom is bigger than we think it is. Amen? We are bigger than we think we are. You have helped us so long and for so much. With the Fire Bible. It's been a passion of ours for, for nearly 15 years now. But in the last five and a half years, we have been the director of this great worldwide ministry called Fire Bible, Life Publishers, the Bible Alliance, and, and our newest superintendent, our newest leader is now caught a fresh wind and vision for how the Fire Bible can not only impact the world, but impact the United States of America. Pray with us because we need a miracle. He wants us to do this in millions of homes in the United States of America, America. I believe it can be done. Don't you? Amen. Amen. Together with those 15 people that believe it, we're going to get it done. Hallelujah. The fire Bible has been described as a Bible school in a book. Now, if you've been to Bible school, if you had the chance to be at Southeastern University here in town, which is my alma mater, or, or if you've been to, to Sagu or you've been up to Zion, now called North Point or, or, or Valley Forge, wherever you've been to school, you might look at a fire Bible and say, well, I could write that and I could understand that and, and I don't need that explanation. But if you've ever been to a place where they've never had a school, they've never had a teaching, they've never had a training, what you're doing through the Fire Bible is saying, we've prepared for you in a language and in a vernacular that you understand, a way for you to rightly divide the word of truth for the people that you're called to serve. How many of you know there's nothing on the planet more dangerous than an untrained Pentecostal preacher? You don't know what's going to happen. There was a fellow down in Mozambique some years ago who got saved in a a revival meeting under a tent, under a tree, and just a group of people gathered around the tree. And someone came to preach to him. I'd like to say it was a missionary, but I don't recall. But someone preached. He got saved in that meeting. The The person stayed there on site for two weeks and said, "Here is a Bible. It was in another language that he could read, but it wasn't his first language. Here's a Bible. You're the pastor." Two weeks is all the training he got. So he began to read, and he began to flip through it and pick out things that he thought it was important. Stood up one morning and said, all of us, I've got charcoal next to you. Get a piece of charcoal. Put it on your fingers. We're going to put the, the number 666 on our foreheads because we want to be ready when Jesus comes back. I read it in the book. How many of you know that book needs explained once in a while? He finally got a fire Bible in his language. Portuguese is his first language of understanding. He got Portuguese and he read in there what the mark of the beast is, and the mark of man. The number of man is 666. And he immediately went to his new tribe and said, please take the number 666 off your forehead. There's a better way. There's a better way. We've been able to do this now because of your help and your sacrifice you're giving now in 46 different language translations. At an average cost of 500000 a translation, printing, and distribution, you can do the math on that. That's $25 million has been raised just for Bibles in foreign languages alone. They're done, they're finished, they're out there, and they're paid for. More than 10 million copies of this massive tome of this Bible has been distributed around the world. Can you say amen? We did that together, Victory, and I thank you for your involvement. I thank you for believing with us that the Fire Bible is a great tool. This next year, God helping us with the resource and the abilities. We've already finished the translation, the formatting, the editing work on the Lisu tribal, the Greek, the Vietnamese, the Ilocano, the Marathi, the Punjabi, Croatian, the Singhalese, and the Sagal Karin tribal. We're this close to finishing the North Korean total Bible in context. How many of you know it's going to be finished just in time? Just in time, it's going to be finished. Amen. I know it's in the news every day. I know that, that we're, at, you know, my old man, and I, excuse me for calling him that, but that's what he calls himself. My old man was in a ship for four years off of the east coast of Korea, the USS Kearsars, and gave of his life during the last... Korean conflict, and he asked me just the other day, 85 years of age, he said, Jeffrey, you think we're going to have to go back and do it again? I said, no, Pop, I think something bigger is going to happen than just war. This is what I think is happening. Satan, he doesn't know everything, but he is discerning as as a created being of God, and he's looked into the not-too-distant future and seen that the walls are coming down. There's going to be an opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ to move forward like never before, and how many of you know I want to be ready. When the gate comes down, when the 38th parallel is no longer a dividing line, there's going to be fire Bibles by the tens of thousands flooding across that border, and we're going to be there when that happens. Missionaries are even now preparing to go to a place that's impossible to get into. That's either the height of stupidity or the arch example of what faith is in a God who says every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, every place, without border, no one left behind, we're going to preach this gospel. It's going into North Korea, and we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. God's got people preparing. He's got a book prepared. The Korean church is with us. They say, you just send the materials, and we'll send the people. We'll get her done. I don't know how to say that in Korean, but I wish I could. We'll get her done. God is doing an awesome, awesome thing. The the phrase that comes to my mind and that, that, that really makes me feel that what we're doing today has special significance and special importance is that not every place is going to stay open for long. Not every place is going to perennially be open until we finally get ourselves together and get the job accomplished. I get this impending sense, and I'm, I'm, I don't pretend to be a missiologist, and I, I don't pretend to be on the national stage as far as understanding, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at what's happening between us and the, and the CIS states, or what we used to call the Soviet bloc or the Soviet Union, to know that our days could very well be limited to reach and teach and train the people in the old Soviet Union and the Eastern European context. Amen. We need to work while it is yet day. We need the people to have the funds there. I don't need them to have to come home for two years and go to church after church after church after church. Sure, you need a report. Sure, you need to hear what God is doing. But don't we want to keep our workers in the harvest field before the storms come, before the lightning destroys and the wind comes and the winds of war are surely coming in in Russia and in that context. It's biblically prophesied. It's going to happen. But wouldn't we like to reap every ounce of harvest out of that before it's too late I know I would I would and I pray that God would do something through us today I pray that God would move our hearts and stir us not from guilt not from just an obedient obedience to a command but because we join our spirits and our want to to the spirit and the want to of the father who says I am willing that none should perish None should perish, but yet I see them dying in their sins every single day. I took a drive once through northern Laos in my Speed the Light Land Cruiser. Thank you, young people, for Speed the Light. Because there was a lot of my brothers from the Baptists and the Mennonites and the the Anglicans, they were hitching rides with me. And i just like, yeah, that's me, baby. I got the new Land Cruiser (laughs) because I got the young people from the Assemblies of God. And they said, well, we can convert. We'll be assembly. (laughs) Too late, man. You're already here. (laughs) But you can ride in it if you like. But I was riding in my Land Cruiser, and I'm talking to my translator, Mr. Vyankam, a practicing Buddhist, young man. I said, has there ever been a Christian church in this city? He said, never, Ajahn, never, teacher. We go to the next one, never, never. Never, never, never has anyone ever been here? Has anyone ever visited? Has anyone ever spoken to them of Payesu Krit Patal, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the Living God? Has anyone ever been here? And his response over and over was never, never, never. And it broke my heart. It broke my spirit. I said, God continue to call. We're we're raising a budget this week. We're raising 1.3 million is the threshold that we need to reach. I pray to God we get to 2.3 million. But we got to raise 1.3 million. But I also pray to God I can't get it out of my spirit. I'm sorry, I'm meddling now, Pastor. I can't get it out of my spirit that the Holy Spirit is going to walk the aisles of this church during this next week. And he's going to say, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your faithful offerings. Now put them both away and I want your life. And he's going to put his big hand on your shoulder. And he's going to say, Go, I send thee unto the nations of the world. Get ye hence from the earth, of the Chaldeans and get to a place that I will show you, to a people that you don't know, to a language you don't understand. And I will be the voice of God through you to those people. I believe, I'm believing for someone to be called this week from out of this church to say, Yo, oh God, Jeff, preach it to those young people, preach it to the young children, preach it to those who can answer. I want you to know my God is not a respecter of persons. I was in Laos, in Vientiane, Laos, the city of the moon. I don't know how they named it that. There was so much smog you couldn't see the moon. It was a dirty little sitting on the side of the Mekong River and I'm and I'm in there and I am alone in the country at that time and I'm praying for help I said god we got so much opportunity the old story of the cat that fell in the milk came to mind oh for the opportunity <laughs> for the capability to meet my opportunity and I began to pray I said god I'm like a cat in a bucket of milk and I need help getting this in there's so much harvest can you send me a missionary associate can you send me some more missionary workers to this country I began to pray, and I walked out of my house to my massive missionary office. It was in the, what used to be an outhouse that we cleaned it up and converted into an office. How many of you know you've risen to the heights of glory in the organizational regime when, when your office was an old outhouse? And I went out there, and I had an old thermal fax machine. And it had rolled out a 12-page fax. How many of you remember those days, the the thermal imaging fax machines? And I I put it together, and I clipped it, and and I I looked at it. There was a picture of a couple applying for missionary service. I couldn't tell what their age was because it was so bad. The transmission was so bad. I couldn't tell what they looked like. Their faces were just black like they would do sometimes. I couldn't tell who they were, what they were. But it was two warm bodies coming to help me in the nation of Laos. Can you say amen? You missionaries have been there. I need help, send me anybody. So I go down to Bangkok, Thailand to meet Harry and Kay Lead, who had been serving as the directors of the inner city mission in Oakland. Now, how many of you know the inner city of Oakland is a pretty tough place? That's like going from the frying pan into the fire. and But they had heard one night on a Sunday night, it's what jogged my memory, Pastor, when he's talking about Sunday nights. He came to an altar at Sunday night at 65 years of age, and he said, I'm still strong. I'm financially okay. God, if there's some place you could use me, open the door and send me. He said he went home, and he opened up a brochure from AGWM and says, we need warm bodies. Please apply. <laughs> And Harry and Kay came to Bangkok, Thailand, and they come walking out of the immigration area, and I'm standing there hoping for some good young bucks that know how to work hard. And, and here comes Harry and Kay, and he's leaning on her. That's how strong he is. He's leaning on her. He's 65. She's 66. They're wore slick from a 30-hour trip across the pond, and they come walking out. And I got to tell you, my faith was at an all-time low. I said, "Dear Jesus, I can't find peanut butter for the kids. Where am I going to get poly grip for these
0: people at?"
1: <laughs> I undersold the call of God. He's here today. He's here today. Harry looked me in the eye. an Old basketball player, six foot six, but of course bowed down a little bit by this time in his life. Not old. Sixty-five, is looking younger every single day. <laughs> But he could have been quitting. He could have been fishing for brim or, you know, bass fishing or off hunting somewhere. But he says, I want to make a difference for God. He showed up. He said, we came on our own. We never asked anybody any permission. We didn't ask for any money. We just came out of savings. Can you use us? I said, yes, I can use you. We stuck him in the University of Health and Medical Sciences and where we had been having to tread very softly because it's a communist country. You couldn't talk about Jesus. You couldn't win people to Christ. You could do everything once and then you're kicked out of the country, which I found out a little bit later on how that happens. But you could do it once and get kicked out. So we had this very successful English language, second language program going on. And Harry and Kay Lee showed up and they began to step into this program on his very first day, he gave his testimony. (laughs) I thought, what a nut, he's going to (laughs) die. He gave his testimony, and because he was old, because he had white hair, I'll take any color, but he had white hair, they said, we have to listen to the teacher. He started leading people to Jesus Christ, and he stayed a second year, and then he stayed a third year, and then he stayed a fourth year, and a fifth year. He said, let me go home for a couple, three months and get some money, and I'll come back. He came back and then went to Cambodia for five years. Can you imagine that? Go from Oakland to Laos and Cambodia for another five years. Came home, raced a little bit more, and went to Taiwan, spent another six years. And finally, at 81 years of age, I said, Harry, you've finished the race. You've done your job. Get to the house. So we're not just preaching to the young people here tonight. We're preaching to everyone. God is a God who's calling. He doesn't mind our prosperity. He doesn't mind our focus on what we want in life. But I'll tell you what, you get in the presence of God, and this is what you're going to hear. Who will go for me? And whom shall I send? Who will go and tell this people what the will of the Lord is for their lives? That's what we're doing in this missionary Enterprise. And you may say, Jeff, you know, I, I gave twenty dollars gave twenty dollars a month last year. And uh, God's been good to me. I think maybe I can do 25. I think I can do 30. Or maybe I can do 50. Or there might be someone here that says, God's been really good to me. I can do 100. I can do 500. Some of you may be here, and you're major stalwarts as far as the giving. And and you're giving 1,000 a month or 5,000 a month. God bless the ones that are struggling for $5 a month as much as the ones that are giving 5,000. For God sees the heart. Amen? Doesn't just see the amount. He looks at the heart, but he's asking us to join with him in that enterprise. I sit on the front row of churches, large churches like this one, or small ones like the one I was in last Sunday in northern, northern Florida, up in Hilliard, not Hilliard, in Jacksonville area, the, the west side of Jacksonville. And they had a record crowd of 44 people on Sunday morning. I want you to know God was present in that place, and God was calling, and they gave their offerings, and the Lord sees their faithfulness just like he sees ours. And if we want to do something, we'll get, it, we'll get it done. Our purpose as a church and as a people and as a movement is stated in Matthew, the 28th chapter in the 19th verse. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Mark, the 16th chapter. I, uh, forgive me for this. This is a little aside, but I can still hear the voice of Lauren Triplett, our executive director, for about nine years. I can still hear him saying the words of Mark 16. I can still hear the inflection of his voice. After 40 plus years of full-time missionary service, I can still see the tears streaming down Brother Lauren's face as he said, Go ye therefore unto all the world and preach the good news to every one, every single one. This is not a presentation. This is not a program. This is not something we get stars or points for. You can't spend it on frequent flyer miles, and you can't turn it in against all this other stuff. And if they fix the tax code, our our giving credit could be down the tubes. Who knows what's about to happen? But this has never been fixed upon what it does for us. It's been fixed upon joining ourselves to the heart of the Father and saying, I want what you want, and I'm going to help make it happen. Everyone means every single person. No one should be left out. Can we do this, church? Can we do it? Can we make our budget? Can we reach the lost? You bet we can. We're bigger than we think we are. We can do more than we think we can do because God is with us and God is on our side. I'll never forget the first day when I heard that. It says, my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the taters underneath. (laughs) How many of you love taters? I love them too. God's supply has never dried up, but we have to be obedient. We have to to share. It comes to mind, someone just shared with me recently, they said, Jeff, I thank God for the elder people, the, 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 the builder's generation that's still giving to missions because young people don't get it. Young people won't give. Young people won't go. Young people won't sacrifice. I heard it until I was sick to death of it because I've been seeing young people step up to the plate. I've been watching them as they're making sacrifice. They, they just do it different. They don't do it the way we did it before. It doesn't have to be done that way as long as they're obedient and they're doing what God has asked them to do, the desire of the Father. You can't get saved and not want to do missions. You hear me? You can't get saved and not care about the ones that have not yet heard and not yet responded. Well, God in his infinite wisdom called the inimitable Jeff Dove and his family to a nation that we'd never been to. Now, I'd never traveled. I'm not a, I'm not a missionary by by. history or historical connections with a family. My dad wasn't educated. I was the first one in my family to ever be a minister. I was the first one in my family to ever enter college, let alone finish college. My family didn't travel. My dad bought a brand new house in 1953 in Dayton, Ohio, a grand total square foot of 1,027 feet, commenced to having kids and raised a family of seven in that massive edifice house. He's still living in the exact came home today with no additions on it. Can you say amen? <laughs> my garage is bigger than 1,027 square feet. But I can remember God moving upon us, God touching us, things beginning to happen, God beginning to stir. God got a hold of my life. And he began to call me. I was in church on Monday morning. If you think it's trouble getting them on Sunday night, Pastor, try getting them on Monday morning. <laughs> I'm in church on Monday morning of my own business. I had just finished my weekend missions convention with Dale and Judy Foggerland at that time from from Burkina Faso, used to be Upper Volta, and, and they had come, wonderful people, focused on the Arab and the Islamic peoples of the world, and he had just come back in those days in 1990, he'd preached in the morning and preached in the evening, I had him twice because it was cheaper getting another person in, <laughs> I was born at night, but it wasn't last night, so I had the same speaker twice in one day, and he touched their hearts, and we raised our big budget for missions, and on Monday morning, I was just praying over the events, and I'd go out in the hallway, and I'd pick up someone off the wall, and I'd Pray for Terry and Ruth Ann Hogard in Rome, and then I come through and I pray for Rick and Louis Shell in the Philippines, and I begin to call out the names of the ones that our church supported. You see, I didn't get into missions because I needed a job. I was missions from the time I began to understand and watched how my dad sacrificially cashed his check each week, and he pulled out the tithe and he said it's holy to the Lord. He pulled out his missions and he said that's holy to God because it's God's will, and then the rest we get to spend. That's how I learned missions. Missionary come to the town, he kicked me out of my bed. <laughs> you haven't given until you slept on the tile floor because the missionary's got your bed. That's how I learned it. Monday morning, I'm praying, I'm praying, and I come across the front, and I felt exactly what I said. I felt God talk to me and say, Jeff, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for the giving and the giving of your church, and now I want you to go. I thought God had dialed the wrong number. My folks never, we, I'd never been on a missions trip. We didn't go on missions trips in Dayton, Ohio. It was the armpit of the state. You just, you didn't need to go on a missions trip. We were in the mission field. I took my church twice to Cleveland on a missions trip. We'd never gone, I asked my old man, I said, where's our people from? He said, I think we came from Des Moines. We don't, we're not travelers. I didn't get this because I had an itch to travel. God put his big hand on me on a Monday morning and pushed me down into the carpet. And he said, Jeff, you can no longer stay here because I've given you an insight onto what it costs to reach the lost. And I want you to join me in that enterprise. And so even though I've been faithful in my offerings and faithful in my giving, God put his hand on our heart. He said, go, go. So we didn't know what we were doing. I wasn't a missiologist. I had the same missions class twice because I failed it the first time I took it. I didn't know what the 1040 window was or UPGs and all the stuff we talk about in missions now today. I just knew that I'd heard from God and people were lost in a place and they didn't need revival. They'd never had revival yet. They'd never had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the history of the nation of Laos. So we said yes, and we went, and, and we tried to get something accomplished. I can recall as I was trying to learn the language of the people so that I could preach. It bothered me that I couldn't preach. I, I remember Master Sergeant sitting here on the front row from last time. He was in uniform when I was here. And uh, I was glad I shined my shoes this morning when I was sitting next to you, Sergeant. <laughs> oh, that would have been terrible, sitting next to a Master Sergeant, your shoes unshined. I would had to get down and pay penance or something. But I remember, I remember trying to learn that language and i'm not tonal in nature i can't sing to save my life and it's a tonal language in laos and i'm 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 trying to learn it and so i couldn't get my instructor they gave me a practicing alcoholic to teach me how to speak lao now you say what in the world is a practicing alcoholic he's not recovering he's practicing he came to class every day so drunk i had to help him to his chair to learn a six tone language It was impossible. I was getting frustrated. They put a a guy with an AK-47 strapped on his back in front of my house daily to keep me safe. What they wanted was to keep me away from the public. Made me so mad. I went out there. I was just going to twist that soldier's head right off the top of his shoulders. And I'm all worked up. And I told my translator, you tell him this and you tell him this, you tell him this. And I don't know what he told him because I couldn't speak it. But I was saying it pretty good in English. And he got the idea. I'm Those days, 6'2", 320 pounds, and this guy was about 4'11", weighed about 80 pounds, soaking wet. He knew I was fixing to tear into him, and he told my translator, he said, tell the big guy to relax. They didn't give me any bullets. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like the enemy, isn't it? Get us fixated on what we can't do instead of what we can do. Get us fixed on what we have instead of what we want. Get us fixed on things other than what God has for us. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to go out in the countryside, and I'm going to practice my language with young people because young people love old people. They'll give them candy if they treat them nice. <laughs> so I went to a place called Mung Kam, which means the city of gold. It doesn't have a bit of gold in it, but that's what they named it. So I went to Gold City, and we had built a brand-new school there. And I, I went and I told them, send a note ahead of time. I said, get the kids ready. The guy that built the school is coming. So I came, and I stepped out of my Land Cruiser, and I stepped out, and every one of them kids, about 85 little kids, three to six years of age, beautifully dressed up, their hair combed, the nicest clothes they owned on. And it's very poor setting, but it was the nicest that they had. They'd rubbed, they took dried rice and pounded it and painted their faces white because they heard I was white. And they wanted the kids to look like me. Go figure that stuff. That, I don't know how that figures into our racial, racial bias difficulty in America, but they wanted their kids white because the big guy's coming, he's white. And they took berries and made the little rings on their cheeks and beautiful little kids, I stepped out of that land cruise, and they went, ooh. <laughs> They'd never seen anything like me in their whole life. And so I thought, I'm going to bond with these kids. I'm going I'm to get with them. So I got down on my knees in the dirt in front of these little kids, which adults never do in that culture, and I looked at them eyeball to eyeball, this one little girl. Crystal black eyes, beautiful smile, and I'm looking dead at her. And I wanted to say, I t- I, this is what I tried to say. I wanted to say, "Pu Ying Dao little girl, you look beautiful. But instead, I said, "Pu Ying Dao Han little girl, you look delicious. <laughs> and she went, "Ah!" <laughs> and those kids were gone, man. Just boom, they're they're gone. It was impossible. It was impossible. I couldn't write. I couldn't preach. I couldn't tell the story. I was that close to quitting. I don't know if you've ever been there before. Anyone ever been depressed before? Had to deal with depression, real clinical depression? It's a tough place to be. And As a leader of missionaries, I see it far more often among our troops than you'll probably ever know. They don't share that in their newsletter. Oh, hey, by the way, thanks for your offerings, but I'm suffering with clinical depression. It's hard. It's hard to do what these guys do. You bust your head against an immovable wall. You're literally at the face of the gates of hell. And sometimes it's just not easy. And I'm walking through the marketplace and I was fed up. I drugged my wife and my kids behind me, and they could tell I had an attitude problem. I was at the end of my string. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. I was not a good missionary. I had won zero people to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's hard to write a newsletter. You've been there for five or six months and you have nothing to say. I'm walking through the market, I'm depressed. And the loudspeaker kicks on at four minutes till six. And they say, "Why? how do you know it's four minutes till six? Because in their infinite wisdom, the communist government discerned that if it was six o'clock in Bangkok, Thailand, we're four minutes difference to the east. So they adjusted all their clocks, four minutes difference. Go figure that out. I don't know. I like daylight savings time. It's pretty cool, once a year. That thing went off, and it was in the Hmong language. It sounds a little bit like this when they were blaring propaganda. yeah. And it's designed to go over the entire town. It's like an, like an air raid siren. It just kind of, whoa, whoa. We've been living with this every morning and every night. I was sick up to here with it. I didn't care about being a missionary. I didn't care if my superintendent was going to kill me when I came home. I just didn't care anymore. I'd had enough. The, the attitude of aggravation came all over me, and that thing went, and I looked at it and I said, I curse you in the name of Jesus. It sounds spiritual here, but it wasn't there. It was all that was in me saying, I am so frustrated because we came and nothing's happening, and I cursed that fig tree in the name of Jesus, and it went, la, la, la. dead as a hammer. <laughs> so if you think your missionaries work miracles, it's usually when we're frustrated that we see the miraculous, not when we're full of anointing and power. We're just people doing what we're called to do, just like pastors asking you to do what God is calling you to do. If we're faithful, He will honor our faithfulness. Well, the whole market saw that. My wife looked at me because remember, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're the only Americans in the northern half of Laos in those days. Not just AG, we were the only Americans. And I'm in the middle of a 1,000 people that don't like the USA. Their national anthem says they shot the American imperialist aggressors out of our skies. I don't like their national anthem. And that happened in front of everyone. My wife says, Jeffrey, what did you do? I said, I don't know, baby, but it felt good. (laughs) Oral Roberts had it in his right hand. I just had it one finger. Matt and Mandy and my two little kids saw clearly what had happened. Luke, the 10th chapter, and Jesus sent the 72 out around about them into every town and every village where he himself was about to come. God had discerned that he better show up today because his servant was just about to quit. And God showed up, and my two little kids says, Dad, that rocks! I know that's not quite Sunday morning vocabulary, but that's the way kids talk. That rocks! That was awesome! And Matt and Mandy are high-fiving each other. They didn't care if there was a 1,000 people speaking 15 different dialects around us. They had seen a miracle take place. I got back to the house, and they're getting ready for bed. We lit the kerosene lamps, and we had some peanut butter, and, and we're, we're going through this. And and. My kids are still excited. That was God. That was God. And I began to explain that it was probably not God. It was probably a rat. (laughs) The market was full of rats. Now, I'm not talking mice. I'm talking full-blown rats, foot and a half long. You guys have seen them if you've lived anywhere outside of a big city. And sometimes you see them in the big cities. I said, probably a rat, just at the right moment. (laughs) Sounds scriptural, doesn't it? Just at the right moment when dad was at his lowest and pointed and shouted, that rat chewed through the Romex wire and cut the ground cable, and that speaker pole died. And my son, who is still the theologian in our household, said to me, Daddy, I guess God gave Jonah a great fish. He prepared for you a rat. (laughs) But that was a miracle, and you can't take that away from us. Forgive me. I just, as I think back on it now, my son is a godly man, giving me two great grandkids, and my daughter's married, and up in Wisconsin on staff, and they've given us four more grandkids. And it's not just us missionaries that are paying the price. Many of them are taking their kids with them, and they didn't hear. And they didn't get the anointing, and they didn't get commissioned, and they didn't get someone singing a choir over them. They got drugged. How many of you know God honors their faithfulness just as much as their parents, just as much as our offering here today? God honors those kids. He said, Dad, you can't take it away from us. That was God. You told us he was going to show up, and he did. And we look back in history, and from that moment on, we began to see the hand of the Lord begin to work. A man by the name of Udom Pimason. Came into our garage and we'd been working with him some, and he had come to Christ through someone else's ministry, but he was not filled with the Spirit. He says, I want to be filled with the Spirit, as in Acts chapter 2. We laid hands on him in our garage. He wasn't in the church or anywhere else. Began to pray on him and watched as the Spirit of God came for the first time to anyone's knowledge upon an individual in an entire country. And his eyes wide open and his lightning rods up before God, the Spirit of God came on him. And he began to speak with other tongues. And it was it freaked him out, to use a spiritual term. He's just like, what am I saying? Ba 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 ba. <laughs> Off he went. And the Spirit of God came. He went home. His wife got filled. His adult kids got filled. They went to the neighboring village where they found a Christian church. And they said, have you been baptized in the Spirit since you believed? And they all got filled with the Spirit and God began to do stuff. You say, Jeff, that doesn't make you look very good. It makes you kind of look idiotic. I'm not hoping you think I look good today. What I'm hoping is you'll catch it. When you give and you pray with purpose, looking forward, God's work gets accomplished because he's about to show up. Now, you're going to do, pastor's getting ready to come, but you guys are going to do what you want to do. I said it early in the first service. We always find a way to get what we want, don't we? Well, I've been wanting a Browning 300 wind mag. Anybody here know what that is? <laughs> Browning 300 wind mag, bold action with a muzzle brake, with a loophole scope that's got a nice reticle, uh, illuminated reticle in it because I'm a hunter. I love to hunt. And I, I've just been believing God for that, confessing it, confessing it, and, 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 I, and I'm going to find a way to get it. I'm going to find what I want. But every Sunday morning I sit on that front pew As I travel, as God takes me to great churches, little churches, churches you'll never know where they're at, I pray say, Lord, help me to want what you want. Help me to want what you want. And every time I get close to his presence, he says, I want the lost to hear. So I'm saying to you today, again, don't pray, Lord, what would you have me to do? We know what he's going to do. He gave his only begotten son. He bankrupted heaven when he had that conversation with himself. So this week, as you're looking over your faith promise, and Pastor will unpack what that means, as you're looking over your faith promise, what I want you to do is say, if there were no restrictions, if there were no limitations, what would I promise for the sake of the loss? What would I do for the loss? Jesus, you think we can do this? You're bigger than you think you are. You and Jesus will make a winning team, and you'll see something awesome happen. This week, Father God, touch your people. As pastor comes now to close us out today, I pray, Lord Jesus, that this week would be an awesome time. The speaker tonight is going to just bring us fresh revelation, Lord, from the continent of Africa. We're going to hear from other missionaries in this coming week, Lord, in different venues. And, and then again, a great faith promise Sunday next week. But Lord, I realize as crass as it sounds, every single dollar committed and every single dollar given represents a soul that's across the border in some unknown land in some unreached people group getting to hear about Jesus Christ for the very first time. So unashamedly, Lord, I tell these, your people, this is what I want. I want a miracle this year. I want this to be the best year that victory has ever had in their entire history. God, make it so. A miracle year for missions in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.